Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 210 of the podcast. My name is Kerry Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, we are uh, actually releasing a few extra episodes of the podcast over the next month to mark the launch of my brand new book, Didn't See It Coming. It's all about overcoming the seven greatest challenges that no one expects and everyone experiences. And here's what we're trying to do. You know, anytime we do something big around here, we want you to be the beneficiary. So yes, it's a book launch and I'm very excited about the book, uh, but we wanted to bring you some bonus content because I think there's a lot of things in leadership that we didn't see coming. Uh, A lot of us find ourselves in a very surprised place. So over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to bring you some really, I hope, what you will consider fun episodes, just great content. Uh, almost like off-the-record conversations with well-known leaders who are like, okay, you want to know what's really going on? This is what's really going on. So, for example, in today's episode, Tony Morgan rang me up and he says, I want to talk to you about my cynicism. And I've known Tony for years. A lot of you have. He's uh, highly influential in the church leadership world. And Tony's like, okay, I need some free therapy because I'm cynical. And I'm like, Tony, let's talk about it. So, you know, that the cynicism is is the opening chapter of the book. And I think 2,000 people read it before it launched. And I got to tell you, it has just reverberated all over leadership world. My inbox is blown up. My, my cell phone is blown up. My Facebook is blown up with people going, you are reading my mail. How did I get cynical? And so I love this conversation with Tony so much. Uh, he did it for his podcast, The Unstuck Podcast, which we will link to in the show notes and you should subscribe to. But uh, I asked him if I could play it back on ours. So thank you, Tony, for this. Thank you for being so open, so honest, so vulnerable. And my book actually launches next Tuesday, the Tuesday after Labor Day, September 4th. Didn't See It Coming comes out. It's available everywhere then. But here's the cool part. It's available for pre-order right now. If you're listening to this, uh, well, in real time before Monday, September 3rd, you can get some bonuses that are going to go away as soon as the book launches. So uh, what are we giving away for people who are early birds and who pre-order? Well, uh, the book is no more expensive than it's going to be. I mean, it's already discounted on Amazon. But if you keep your receipt, here's what you are going to get now if you pre-order. You're going to get, first of all, uh, unit one, like the first session of the High Impact Leader course for free. You're also going to get access to an exclusive live webinar, a private webinar with myself and my wife on staying happily married while navigating all seven challenges we talk about in the book. Uh, Plus, you're going to get seven lock screen graphics. So that's, that's if you order a single copy. Now, what happens if you order 10 or more? Well, all of the things I just mentioned, plus you're going to get access to an entire course for free. So you can choose the High Impact Leader, Breaking 200, The Art of Better Preaching, Lasting Impact Team Edition. I've got four courses, regularly about a $300 value. You're going to get it for free. Now, a lot of people are saying, I want to run the whole team through this, the whole church through this, people who've read the book. If you order 100 plus books now, and there are heavy discounts for volume orders, you will get everything we talked about, plus free access to all my courses. It is a complete pass. That's over $1,100 in courses for free. If you order 100 books or more, if you want to take a group through it, 
You can get all this information and claim your bonuses at didn'tseeitcomingbook.com. We just want to reward the early adopters and people who got in on the ground floor. The book has actually been the number one new release in Christian leadership and its categories for the entire month of August, pretty much without, well, with very few exceptions. And we just want to say thank you to all of you. We are so excited for next week because what I want to help leaders do with this book is navigate the internal journey of leadership. Because here's what's true, right? You guys are smart. You're leaders. You, you know, you listen to podcasts, you read books, you go to conferences, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? That's never the stuff that sinks leaders. You know what sinks leaders? It's the interior journey. It's the stuff I'm trying to talk about in this book. It's things like, I just got cynical and like I capped my potential or I burned out. Now I'm not in leadership anymore or my pride got the best of me. And you know what? I'm not even narcissistic. I'm just insecure. Well, I talk about that in the book or uh, compromise. And again, not the headline stuff like, oh, I don't have a job anymore. It's the little compromises that leave us compromised or like that empty feeling you get after a moment of success. What is that? And so it's not just about keeping you in the leadership game, which is something I would love to see you do is, is to do that, but to realize your potential. And I think it's these issues that sap the potential of leaders. So that's why I'm so passionate about this book, why I want to get the message out. And if you get in on it now, you'll get these bonuses. So head on over to didn'tseeitcomingbook.com. And in the meantime, uh, here's Tony and I with a pretty honest, vulnerable conversation. And I love that he lets me flip the mic at the end and I get to interview him about like, okay, what reward do you get by staying cynical? I loved his answer. And anyway, here's my good friend. He's founder, uh, CEO of the Unstuck Group, has served in the executive pastor role in numerous churches, including Granger, New Spring, and others. Uh, my good friend, Tony Morgan, um, in a fascinating conversation. All right, Carrie. So I'm uh, super excited. I th- by the way, thanks for letting me preview the book. The new book is called Didn't oh, See Coming. And uh, give us give us a quick overview of the topics, the challenges. And in fact, you allude to the fact that every one of us at some point in our lives are going to face these seven challenges. So can you give us an overview of the challenges you hit in the book? Well, yeah, I think so. I think I'm seven for seven. So that's not bad, you know, for an achiever. <laughs> not, not all at the same depth, but uh, yeah, sure. So the book opens with cynicism, which uh, you want to do a deep dive on right. and uh, in no particular order. Uh, one of them, which we see in the headlines a lot, but I think shows up in our life in a different way is just what I call compromise. It's moral compromise. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's the big stuff, the stuff that gets you out of leadership or fired or in jail. Um, but I don't think that's where it engages most of us most days. It's the little compromises, just the little things that often will lead to the big things that many of us avoid, but that still doesn't mean it isn't a problem. Um, disconnection just big disconnection. A lot of leaders we know are isolated. I'm not sure tech has helped us with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then irrelevance, which, uh, which was the one I wasn't sure whether I was going to put into the book. The editors kept telling me to keep it in. And I was going to ask you that question. So that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, in the few people who have read the book, there have been a number of people who've really resonated with that. Yeah. But it's less personal. It's more about your skill set, less about who you are. So I, I, I thought it was like Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other, but I got convinced to leave it in. And then uh, pride. 
which is, which is a big one. And rather than focus on narcissism, which apparently is an issue, I had a long conversation with Ern McManus about that uh, hmm. very recently. Um, I think most of us come to pride via insecurity and then burnout. I'm rather famous for burning out well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then finally, emptiness, which is maybe my favorite. I think it's the only, I'm the only person who's read the book who, who like thinks that's the best one. Mm-hmm. But this idea that you come, okay, you, all your dreams come true and somehow you're empty. Like yeah. you're grateful, but like, what is that? So those are the seven issues in the book. Yeah, so uh, we're going to make everybody read about the other six. But today, okay. I, we're gonna, this is I'm looking at this as like free pastoral counseling. Okay, so all right. Um, I, when I read through the book, the I mean, I there's definitely and and uh, several of them that you just mentioned. I've had my bout with burnout, and certainly any of us in leadership, pride, narcissism, wh- wherever you want to take that. But what hit me in the face was the section on cynicism. Um, I think, uh, well, I know, and anybody around me would tell you of all of those seven, it's definitely the cynic in Tony Morgan that tends to come out. So uh, let's start with uh, help me diagnose if I, if I thought I might be a cynic, Carrie, what yes. would be some of the warning signs that I would want to pay attention to? I think there's a few, at least a few for me. Um, the big one would be projecting past failures onto the future. So what happens to a lot of us is, you know, most of us start out as optimists. And, you know, if you think back to even your toddler years, woo, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, and unfortunately, I, actually, in a lot I of... I don't know if I did. I think I came you out... Did. You did. Womb, uh, thinking negative thoughts. I don't know. You were, you were the cynical three-year-old, right? Yes, I think I it's like, oh, I know what kind of sister you're going to be, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, totally, totally, Tony. Um, you know, and so I, I think back to me, I was very idealistic in my late teens and 20s. You're going to change the world. And like, come on, church planters, they're all idealists. You're going to have the best church in the world. It's going to grow instantly. Um, you know, entrepreneurs, similarly. I mean, really, we leaders, and I think you've said this, or maybe I stole it from you. I don't know. I've written it too. But uh, us leaders are dealers in hope. Mm. And I think that's what we do. You know, if you're a preacher of the gospel, you, you, um, you deal in hope. And I think if you're a senior leader in an organization or a leader of anybody, um, you're bringing hope to people, right? Whether you're trying to have a better quarter or whether you're trying to reach your city or whether you're trying to baptize a hundred people, a thousand people, like you're, 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 you're a dealer in hope. And what cynicism does is it snuffs out hope and how it happens. And this is interesting. You know, I, when you told me that this is where we're going in this interview, Tony, I would think you would be a prime candidate for cynicism. And here's your problem. So we'll talk about projecting past failures onto the future. But I think cynicism roots itself in knowledge. And uh, I mean, you know this about our story. You've been on my podcast a few times. I've been on yours. Uh, I've been following you from before we knew each other personally. And one of the reasons I followed you is I think you have incredible insight. Like you just, you see things that other people miss. And the problem with that you know, cynicism doesn't start because you don't know. It starts because you know, and you start to see the trends. And, you know, so when you're planning a church, one of your greatest benefits is ignorance, right? It's like, well, I don't know how to plant a church. I don't know how to start a company. So you just, you go for it. And then you fall flat on your face. You learn a whole bunch of stuff, or maybe it goes well, but you're still learning as you go along. And what happens is you accumulate knowledge 
And then eventually that knowledge that can either work for you or that can work against you. And what happened to me in my first decade of church leadership, and I launched into like I did 10 years of university. So, you know, pray for me. Um, I couldn't <laughs> figure that out. I did history and then law and then theology. So anyway, at 30, 31, I get launched into leadership. And by the time I hit 40, you know, I felt like my heart had died. Yeah. And, and the problem, Tony, is, as you know from church world, is all these people you thought were going to be with you to the very end weren't, or at least not all of them were. And, and so all of a sudden you learn all these things about people, you learn about human nature. And, and then what I started to do, and this was a fatal mistake, and I tell the story in the book of Roger and Mary, just a couple that I had poured my heart into who ended up leaving the church. And the reason they ended up leaving the church is they said, you didn't do enough and you didn't care enough. Mm. And I'm like, you know, are you kidding me? Like I, I, I had literally have not, did not in those first five years spend more time with anyone else in the church or pour more into anyone else. And they left saying I didn't do enough and we didn't do enough. And you know, the next time someone who reminded me, I think psychologists call this projection, reminded me of Roger and Mary when they walked into the back of the church and they were kind of poor and maybe on the edges of society, which is exactly who we should be reaching in the church. You know what I thought? Oh, I know how this ends. Mm -hmm. I know where this goes. So I am not going to engage my heart at the level that I did because I don't want to get hurt. So whether in life, you know, you've been through 10 bad relationships that all ended and you're like, I know what all men, what all women are like, or, you know, a lot of people are done with church. I mean, how many people in our generation are done with church? It's like, you know what? I tried five. They, they're all terrible. And I know what pastors are really like. And all of a sudden you take those past failures and you project them on the future. And I think that's the death sentence. Yeah. It's uh, ironic that you um, allude to the story uh, that you just shared because Emily and I, my wife and I, were just walking through our neighborhood yesterday, exercise, trying to pray for our new neighbors in our new neighborhood. And we were talking about one specific person in our, in our lives. And I, I, said it, I said it like this. I see the steps that this person's taking. They're heading down the wrong path. I know how the story ends. Right. And Emily, of course, who doesn't struggle with cynicism, very optimistic, believes the best in people, which is exactly why I married the right woman, said, actually, I don't think that's the way it's going to end, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> so I need the Emilys in my life. Uh, but the way I've expressed it to some people, Carrie, is um, I find that you know, God puts certain strengths in each of us as we become believers. Um, and yeah. for, I think you're right. I think for me, knowledge, discernment, that, that's part of the gifting, the wiring that God put into me. The, the great thing is when God's in control of that wiring and gifting, he can, he can work through me to really impact people's lives. Um, when I take back control of that gifting, that's when I find I get myself into trouble and that knowledge and discernment shifts to cynicism. So I think you're spot on. Uh, but in the book, then you start to talk about the antidote for mm -hmm. cynicism. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? I will. Can I jump on something you just said? Cause I sure. think it's a really important distinction, Tony, like there is a fine line between a gifting and I mean, 
you know, why were we so happy when we were young or some of us anyway? Cause we were stupid, right? Like I didn't know everything that could go wrong. Yeah. I had no idea. And, and actually that's an advantage. The lack of knowledge that a founder or a starter has is actually it's shown in entrepreneurial and church planting circles. That's one of the greatest gifts. Like if you knew everything that could go wrong in whatever you're starting, whatever you're launching, whatever you're attempting, you probably wouldn't do it because you'd just be too afraid and you'd be like, oh, I see how this ends. So I think there is a, a beauty in naivete that is, is really good. But what you say is you have a gifting. So you have a gifting of insight. And I think a lot of leaders listening to your podcast would be similarly gifted. Yeah. And, you know, back to your walk with Emily yesterday, um, sometimes you actually do know how this ends. Like sometimes you, you can be pretty accurate. Like I'm sure, Tony, you've, you've been to our church a few times and helped us through, through the consulting that you do. And, you know, <laughs> we're sitting there in some big mystery and you walk in and within three minutes, you've got a pretty good read on what's really going on. I mean, isn't yeah. that true for you? Yeah, uh, it's a blessing and a curse, Carrie. It's a blessing and a curse, right? <laughs> so it's a blessing, and I have a similar gift. I, I'm much better at diagnosing other people's problems than my own, uh -huh. um, which makes me a great consultant, by the way. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, I can walk in and I can size up a church or a room and organization pretty quickly and it doesn't take a lot. And, you know, I'll go in and meet with the senior leadership team or, you know, sit down with a team and have a conversation and I've got it figured out fairly accurately, fairly quickly, mm -hmm. which is a gift if it helps. It's a curse if it hurts. Mm -hmm. And, and what happens is, and this is the fine line that I wanted to get back to is when I use, you see, I guess you could say one is descriptive. Okay, Carrie, let me show you what's going on at Connexus. Let me show you what's going on with your team. Does this resonate? Hmm. But what I will do, what the cynic in me will do if I'm not careful, is I will make it prescriptive and I will almost make that a death sentence. I will almost say, well, of course it has to end this way. And then when you snuff out hope, you don't seek to help. You're just like, okay, Carrie, let me tell you, this is how you're going to die. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, and that's, yeah. not, that's yeah. not helping anybody. Yeah. So I thought that was a really good point. And I think often the difference is how can I use this knowledge to help? Or what a cynic would do is a cynic would be, you know, you're waiting until that moment where you can say, see, told you. Yeah. That's yeah. where cynics live. Which uh, I don't verbalize. I told you so very often, <laughs> but in my brain, I am. <laughs> There's an antidote. <laughs> yeah. There is an antidote. And uh, you actually, it, and you've kind of actually alluded to it a little bit already. You say curiosity is where we need yeah. related to yeah. cynicism. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. I noticed something years ago that really fascinated me, Tony, and that is that cynics are never curious and the curious are never cynical. Like rarely do those two line up. And I started to, I realized that the more I cultivated curiosity, the less cynical I became. I think there's something bigger underneath it. And that is that the, the ultimate antidote to cynicism is hope. And, and, you know, oh my goodness, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian. So many of the people listening are Christians. We, we have the best antidote to cynicism in the world. Like Christians should be the least cynical. I mean, you're staring a tomb in the face and all of a sudden there's resurrection. You look at death and God gives you life. You look at sin and he gives you forgiveness. Like nobody is better at hope than Jesus. 
And nothing is an antidote to cynicism like the gospel, yet so many of us live in this cynical space where we don't even believe what we preach. We are, we are, you know, not smoking what we're selling to use a really bad metaphor <laughs> that, that has no personal resonance uh, with me. But anyway, you know, it's like, are you kidding me? And, and, but, but saying that hope is the antidote to cynicism is a little bit like saying Jesus is the answer to everything, which he ultimately is, but it's a bit trivial. So, okay. How do I put legs on that? The legs for me have been, a curious person is always more hopeful, always more forward thinking. Um, I, I remember watching PBS one day. I don't know. I was just flipping channels. And for some reason, I don't even remember what it was about. There was this 80-year-old um, professor. And he was a prof, like, you know, tweed jacket, bow tie, spectacles, not glasses. Like, he truly had, like, academic spectacles on. And I'm thinking, wow, what is this guy? Like he's some expert, world expert in something. And I'm listening to him talk just for a minute. And he's like, well, what we're discovering these days in the current research is, and I'm like, dude, you're 80 years old. Like, when are you going to rest on your laurels? And um, very recently, actually, much more recently, uh, I, I am a Tim Ferriss Show podcast listener. He interviewed George Raveling who's this 80-year-old African-American coach who talked about being 80 a lot. But what blew me away was he is so curious. He's so open. He's joining masterminds. He's reading multiple books a week. He is giving gifts to people. And he's like, man, my best years are ahead of me. And I'm like, I want to be him when I'm 80. Yeah. And, and I think if you embrace curiosity and that posture of openness and learning and being willing to trust again, hope again, believe again, I hope that the 70-year-old Carrie is a lot more alive and optimistic and wide-eyed than the 53-year-old Carrie that's talking to you right now. That's Yeah, that's good. And it actually reminds me of a story that I've shared quite often about my early days. Emily and I were just married. We didn't have any kids. We went to the donut shop. It felt like almost every Saturday. This is when we thought donuts used to be good for us, I guess. I don't know that they were healthy <laughs> But I we were they often, still were. Yeah. I, well, anyways, we were often at the donut shop. And in one corner of the donut shop, there, were, there was this group of older men that would gather around this circular table. And they were enjoying their coffee and their donuts. But they would also always be talking about problems, challenges. And what was amazing about that table is they had the answer to everything. And Emily and I began to refer to that table as the table of all knowledge. And what I've shared with other folks is this is my fear is I have opinions. I'm not afraid to share my opinions. Uh, the cynicism runs deep in me. And my fear is if I don't embrace curiosity, like you have suggested, that one day I too will be at the table of all knowledge. And it's not going to mm. be a fun place. I mean, in the moment, it might be fun. Uh, but in the end, I'm not going to be a happy person and the impact of the gifting that God has put into me won't be fulfilled. So uh, I so, think pursuit of curiosity is something we all need to lean into, especially those of us in leadership. That's a great story. Can I ask you a question? You bet. Just, and, and thank you for being so honest, but this is like in keeping with your Well, again, I'm just looking at, this is like free, free counseling, <laughs> Carrie. So I'm just thinking I'm going to take advantage of every bit of this. I'm just curious, what, what is the reward for you in cynicism? Like if we cling to a behavior 
There is something, whether that's a chemical sequence in the brain that makes us feel good, whether it is uh, safety and security. What would you say when you look back on it? Yeah. What's the reward? So again, uh, the root, I think it's, it's knowledge, like you suggested, mm-hmm. and where other attributes, strengths in leaders, people, um, maybe a little bit different than that for me, we all want to win. And so when I can look back at something and say, I saw that coming it, and it actually happened, then I think that's the reward for me. Yeah. And so uh, I think everything that you're talking about is, is spot on. And so, um, and you're right, it's, it's those instances when I've, I've backed away from those initial insights and looked for confirmation by asking questions, by getting different perspectives. And in some instances, it really did confirm that initial insight. And then, as you suggested, rather than using that knowledge to hurt, we're using that knowledge to take a step forward, which is everything that the Unstuck group is about when we're engaging with churches. In those instances, I'm seeing uh, what could still be described as a bit of cynicism working for good, I guess. Um, But when I let myself get to that place of um, uh, using this just to say, I told you so, or um, not really leaning into the opportunity to help someone take a next step in whatever the situation is, that's, that's where I see not only is that detrimental to the people around me, but at the end of the day, it's also impacting me and my relationship with Jesus too. So, um, yeah. That- Interesting. You know, I think, I think you're right. And that really resonates with me. I didn't put this in the book. Maybe, maybe cynicism could be a whole book. I don't know. But that seems to be the chapter that everybody's resonating with. Really? I mean, there are others as well, but it, okay. is, it is the big, and it's chapter one uh, of the book, one and two. But you know, I did I read the rest me, of the book though. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just read the first chapter. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for me, I, I think... And I'm just, I'm really analyzing that. I wonder if the reward, because I hadn't thought about that. I'm like, okay, what's the reward for cynicism? Because there's always a reward, right? And I think for me, it is that chance to say, gotcha, I was right. Look at me. It's a bit of superiority. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if for me, when I stay cynical, and because cynicism is a choice, if I choose cynicism in that moment, um, I wonder if part of that is it insulates me from really engaging the problem. So if I just Mm -hmm. walk into a church as one of your consultants, let's say, which I'm not, you have your own team. Mm -hmm. But you know, I walk in, I'm like, oh yeah, it's bad. And here's five ways it's bad. One, two, three, four, five. If I just kind of pronounce a death sentence on that place, I can wash my hands and walk away. But that that insulates me from the problem. If I'm to stay hopeful, if I'm to to beat my curiosity, that means okay, we're going to do a deep dive into this together. Yeah. And you think about that relationally. If you get cynical about your kids or your marriage or a good friend and you're like, oh, you're rolling your eyes like this guy's always that way. Well, the opposite of cynicism is no, you got to hope again. You got to trust again. You got to believe again. You got to put your heart in your hand, take it out of its little tomb and put your heart out there and engage with that person or engage with that problem and really trust God to bring about a better solution. And so I've tried to live that way over the last decade since I sort of, you know, burned out and came back and tried to figure that out. And it's a harder way to live, but it's a better way to live. Hmm. 
That's good, Carrie. All right. So uh, <laughs> any final encouragement to the leaders that are listening in, whether it's around this topic of cynicism or any of the other six topics, any other final encouragement for the leaders that are listening? Yeah, I just hope this book feels like hope. Um, you know, you don't, once a cynic, you don't always have to be a cynic. Um, I'm hopefully some tiny evidence of that, that, you know, I'm way more hopeful and optimistic than I was 15 years ago. And, you know, ironically, it was ministry that turned me into a cynic, not law, which is just the strangest thing. I wasn't in law very long too, so maybe that had something to do with it. Um, and, then, and then there's just hope. Like, I think you can see these big pitfalls coming. And there's little diagnostic tools in the book. And then there's antidotes in every chapter about, well, how do you stay relevant? How do you avoid compromise? You know, work twice as hard on your character as you do on your competency. Uh, emptiness, there's an antidote for that. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, this is the personal journey of leadership that I think takes so many of us out. And if it doesn't take us out, it caps our growth. So we never become the person, the husband, the father, the, the leader, the contributor that God sees in us that never gets realized. So I hope this kind of, you know, takes the lid off of our leadership because so much of it is that internal battle. And, uh, and yeah, I just want people to know that there's hope. Very good. Thank you, Carrie, for today's conversation and for the free counseling. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. It's always a blast. Hey, Tony, I just got to say, thanks for your honesty. You know, guys, this is, this is the story, and this is why I do this podcast, right? Uh, when, you, when you really just have honest conversations, you realize, wow, we're really all alike, aren't we? And that's kind of the message and the hope behind Didn't See It Coming. So you don't have to stay cynical. You don't have to stay burned out. I burned out a dozen years ago. I'm not burned out right now, even though we're in book launch. I'm not. It's great. Uh, you don't have to feel empty. Uh, you can get over your pride. Humility is a good thing. All these things that I think are going to make you not just a better leader, but a better husband, wife, parent, friend, Christ follower, human being, and make you feel better when you wake up in the morning. It's all that interior stuff that is in Didn't See It Coming. So head on over to didn'tseeitcomingbook.com. We got all those pre-order bonuses for you, like literally hundreds to over $1,000 worth of bonuses for you if you order before it releases Tuesday, September 4th. And if you want to order then and drop $15 and buy the book, more power to you. Thank you so much. And we are going to continue to try to deliver extra value. So next week, we have some bonus episodes too. I have a fascinating conversation with Erwin McManus, uh, with Ann Voskamp, and with Levi and Jenny Lusco. And uh, yeah, three episodes next week. If you subscribe, you get them for free. And uh, I'll tell you what, here is an excerpt from my interview with Erwin McManus. And I want you to hear what he has to say about narcissistic pastors. A high need for praise, like the world needs to be about them. A high view that there's no one in the world who can do it better than them. Hmm. And so like one assessment, I've known people that came out with perfect scores in every arena where they thought no one could be smarter than them, no one could be more gifted than them, no one could be more competent than them. And so a narcissist is usually a person who doesn't ask for help because they don't believe anyone can solve a problem they can't solve. Wow. So one of the challenges when you're working with a person who's narcissistic is that they'll destroy your organization because they don't know something can be solved because if they can't solve it, they don't believe anyone can solve it. <laughs> See, like, so when you're not a narcissist, you ask for help faster. So if you're listening, mm -hmm. if you never ask for help, you're probably a narcissist.
Wow. So it's not yeah. even like I look at myself in the mirror for 10 hours a day. It's like, no, no, I it's never like ask that. for help. Because why would I ask Carrie? Because <laughs> yeah, what does he know? All right, what does he know? He can't know more than me. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be disappointed by that at all. That, it was just a fascinating conversation with Erwin. And next week, Ann Voskamp and I sit down and talk and uh, Levi and Jenny Lusco as well. And again, if you subscribe at all, it'll just be there for you for free. So I hope this is going to really add value. I hope this is going to encourage you. Thank you so much for listening. Just thanks for your kindness. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your goodness. And uh, hey, we're in this together, man. I really appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.